feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Matt, feeling a little gray, a little gray on this Thursday evening. Uh, you know, we're we're a little late with the embargo already broke on this nah, one. We're but... not late. We're still early. It's playing at landmark cinemas in Whippy and in, in right now, I think. Yes. As we're recording. Yes. This. Hence a why Netflix my review movie. got out today instead of tomorrow. So. In Durham. Uh, gray is the perfect word for this movie. Uh, today we are reviewing the Russo brothers, the Grayman, uh, uh, starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, Jessica Henwick, uh, Regé Jean Page. Regé Jean Page. Yeah. Okay. I, I was there, almost there, Eric. Almost there. It's I okay. It took me a couple of times Bridgerton. because it. I had to do the voiceover for my review. And usually I repeat right. it over a hundred times. So yeah. Uh, Julia butters, uh, Danush, uh, Alfre Woodard, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, and more. Uh, Eric, how are you on this gray Thursday? <laughs> We're talking about the gray man on a Thursday evening. How do you think I am? Uh, no, I We're mean, both it's, wearing it's, gray. We're both it's, wearing gray. It's nice the occasion. to always talk to you and, and have the movie conversation, even though we had it like right after the movie, ended and we yeah, were both in as we a, agreement do, yeah. and what have you um but when you're completely uninspired by what you have seen especially we've talked about this many times on the regular show and in, in, in reviews the hardest movies to dissect or really have an engaging conversation about are the ones that are middle of the road yeah, and this is the definition of a middle of the road movie, but with a two hundred million, two hundred twenty million dollar price tag. Which, where did the money go? I don't understand. There's one sequence that is one of the ugliest looking things I've ever seen in my life. So it, the two hundred million dollars definitely didn't go there. No, I mean with some of the articles that are dropping with how uh, some of these special effects houses are being treated um maybe i don't know where the fuck the money goes it's definitely not to the people working on them uh but yeah you put it perfectly i use the term painfully mediocre um it's just one of those movies that it's a netflix movie through and through man like it's just it's it's red notice it's it's the what's the charlie's theron one um the old guard at least those two movies felt like they had a little bit more of a personality to them, even though they were both, I felt like pretty middle of the road fair too. This just feels like every dad spy novel, every dad spy movie, um, every trope from those movies kind of thrown into one very generic um, over two hour mildly entertaining but not really entertaining because it's just a bunch of shit you've seen in a million other movies before um i can't even say slickly made because i'm starting to think the russo brothers it's not that i thought much of them but they directed two of the biggest movies of all time they performed you know, they i two of my favorite mcu movies because i felt like they did stick the landing when it came to both infinity war and endgame and they did pretty well with the captain america movies that they did as well hey i, I like don't forget community and arrested yeah, development no and i mean i loved i love both of those shows i love the episodes that they did but i'm starting to think now with cherry and this <laughs> i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe 
<laughs> Maybe that was more Marvel than Russo's. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going back to Marvel after this. Because, you know, uh, again, I was chatting with some people on Twitter once the embargo broke too. And I'm like, you know, this movie will probably do gangbusters for Netflix when you come to what their metrics are, which is going to be people hitting play on the movie. So you have big names. You have Chris Evans as a as a not a literal mustache twirling villain. He but is a literal. Pretty close. He is. <laughs> Um, he is, but he doesn't twirl his literal. He literally, no, he's got a hipster stash. Um, Lloyd and, and Lloyd Hansen <laughs> and Gosling, you know, doing his his thing, but on a on a two hundred million dollar budget. Um, and Anna de Armas doing a lesser version of the character she played in in Bond, and you know, it it's. I, I don't even know, man. You're gonna get people to click on this thing. People are going to watch it. Um, it's one of those movies that. Yeah, if you didn't invest much and you just threw it on on Netflix, will most people give it a soft pass? I think probably, but um, this is a movie that you know they want a franchise, which they've been trying to do forever with everything that they put out. They're trying to, you know, be taken seriously in the blockbuster space, Netflix, and I just feel like time and time again they're just putting out this stuff that looks ugly isn't doing anything overly original or creative. It's just playing everything so safe and relying on star power and uh, the names of the directors and the movies that they did before. So, uh, which are just, you know, like I mentioned, the biggest movies on the planet, but I I'm starting to think that that's not so much them, even though this is also written by the guys who did uh, all their Marvel stuff too. But uh, yeah, just painfully mediocre. I just sat there kind of stone faced the whole movie and just stone faces Ryan Gosling is through the whole film. Yeah. And we, we were joking about like, yeah, his shtick of the quiet kind of guy works in something like drive. But when you throw it in something like this, I like Gosling. I like Chris Evans. I like Anna de Armas. I'm like, I like Billy Bob Thornton. Um, it's just but like, do you like him de-aged and with dyed oh, hair <laughs> in a prologue? Yeah. Um, I, I, all those things seem like it should work and and you're getting similar action that you got in the Captain America movies, except I feel like it just doesn't work as well when you're not playing with that sandbox and those toys in the Marvel Universe and it ends up just becoming like twice as many um, uh, title cards. Oh, yeah. Their one auteur stamp is a literal <laughs> giant stamp of where people are because <laughs> that's like the ongoing thing like Civil War had that, you know, Avengers had that. Uh, Cherry had that. Uh, this now has that. Uh, so it it was it did become comical the amount of globe trotting uh, that is in this movie where you get giant font that tells people where they are. Um, so that was funny. But other than that, like you know, the comedy eh, doesn't really work. Uh, the action, like I said, it looks kind of like the Captain America stuff, but isn't as interesting because you're not playing in that kind of sci-fi space. Um, you know, you have solid performances with what they're given from everyone. Like Chris Evans is having fun, but like, I don't think he's a particularly memorable villain, even though he's this, you know, sociopath, psychopath kind of guy. Um, and, and Gosling, I, I like him as a leading man. I really, really do. I just feel like it's just so paint by numbers. So kind of, gray and bland is the perfect word that it just ends up being like, Oh, okay. I guess you'll, people will throw this on a Friday night or a, or Saturday afternoon on Netflix and it'll get millions and millions of views and Netflix will go, it's our most watched movie ever. And you'll go great. <laughs> okay. 
and then it'll get a sequel probably because of that. I don't know. Yep. It's it's not good. It's very fine. It should have been called The Mediocre Man. Um, yeah, it's one of those movies where it's just riddled with the sort of spy espionage thriller cliches. You know, like th- this is basically this year's Without Remorse, except without a revenge sort of yeah. plot. And Mark Graney, who wrote this, and this is a first in a series of novels, also uh, co-wrote or was co-authored alongside Tom Clancy on a number of his later uh, novels. So you can understand where this kind of like cottage industry of spycraft storytelling uh, is coming from, uh, to the point where you also begin to question certain aspects. So you have Gosling um, playing a sort of morally ambiguous uh, CIA operative who kind of works off the books and comes in and does the jobs that the you know the agency can't do themselves because they're tied to you know uh, diplomatic um, sort of and government sort of guidelines and yeah. the the whole thing about that even is strange because in the 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 sequence that kind of kicks things off after this ridiculous prologue in two thousand three in a florida prison where you see as the already mentioned de-aged billy bob thornton kind of recruiting uh gosling's character how do they make gosling look older put a goatee on him yeah (laughs) and and dye his hair like (laughs) platinum blonde as he was in the places uh beyond the pine and he was probably working on barbie (laughs) yeah well and, and it's also just interesting because like so Which his after I know his his character's name is Court Gentry, and then <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton's character's name is Sir Donald Fitzpatrick. Both are very British names. The characters are British, but for the purposes of hiring these actors, they didn't change anything other than they just said, "Okay, you know what? You're going to be North American actors, but we'll 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 keep the names, but you don't, don't worry about accents or anything like that." Wait, we're in the movie. They were they're American. They're North yeah, American, okay. but All in right. the books. They are. Yeah. And they didn't change the name. No, no. Because <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton is not a sir in, in this, like Sir Donald Fitzpatrick or Fitz as he's Fitzroy. called. Fitzroy. 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 Pardon me. Fitzroy. And, and with that, like, you're kind of like, okay, these names are ridiculous for these actors because they do not have any... You know, know what? Couldn't have even told you what their names were. <laughs> well, I just did. But but Gosling has three names. So Gosling's character is Court Gentry. I knew Sierra Six. Sierra Six and then the Gray Man. Um, and sure. so when you have this kind of opening prologue that establishes it, which is all exposition and just basically setting up this guy is kind of, you know, uh, an anti-hero type. Uh, who has a uh, sort of checkered background in what he's done and, and what have you. And then it's a lot of telling, not showing there exactly flashbacks and it's, and it's poorly lit, like the overexposure to kind of hide some of the, you know, digital seams of Thornton's de-aging uh, is just, it's really kind of just washed out. Um, and the entire movie looks washed out for the most part. But once you get to Bangkok you know, 18 years later, there's a title card um, and you have this kind of assassination attempt that's kind of botched because of this moral compass that Sierra six has. It makes you kind of question the people that are being recruited for this, 
you know, previous regime that Thornton's character was a part of that's kind of been pushed out for Reggae Jean Page's character to kind of come in and take over and him wanting to kind of basically start fresh with people like Chris Evans's kind of madman mustache twirling <laughs> freelancer type. And so when, you know, he makes when when Ryan Gosling's character makes the decision not to take a shot it's it there's a certain reason for that and then it also kind of gets hammered home again later on in this weird digression where you get to learn more about uh six's uh relationship with fitz's niece played by julia butters of once upon a time in hollywood where it's like oh this guy who you know is being described as somebody that will kind of do the things that the government or this agency won't also is more kind of uh, sound as a person than these government agencies. It's and, a soft spot for kids, kind of. Yeah, and, and and it's just like okay, well, you you you've established in that opening scene that that's the the whole point of someone like him being hired is that he is a stone cold killer and will not you know hesitate to kill anyone. And even the backstory that they give him, I'm like, that's. That's the thing that makes you go, that guy's, that guy will kill anyone and doesn't care about it. Exactly. And I'm like, that doesn't really track to me. Like no. just the, the reason that they give that is just like, huh? Okay. That seems more like of a passion protection thing rather than someone that will like, he'll kill anyone with no remorse. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I, I get like we don't want to go into too spoiler territory, but like it just, it didn't track for me of like, that's why this guy would Billy Bob Thornton would have been like, got to get that guy out of anyone. Like he wouldn't have been on anyone's radar. And it's just like, Oh, he was reading through files and he's like that motherfucker. That's the guy I need. It's like, I, they didn't anyways, there's a lot of problems. No, they, yeah. And, like and, that. and that's, I mean, like you could say like, Oh, well that's just nitpicking, but there's a lot of that throughout to the point where, you know, you you get this story of this globe-trotting character who goes on the run and is double-crossed by multiple people who he trusts. And you know, where does he go? And he has a target on his back everywhere, uh, most of which takes place in Eastern Europe. Uh, Croatia gets a shout out twice. Croatia does, pa- yeah. Pandering to Matt and Nevis one thing, specifically. One part of that, they show that they're on like an island with a castle. And then I, another problem, nitpicky thing that I had throughout the movie. Sorry to cut you off, Eric. No, no, no. It's please like go on. How they jump around from location to location so quickly and easily. And like some things just don't track time-wise for me. Where it's like it would take them so long to get from X place to X place. And this is like on an island. I'm like, how are cars getting there? How are other things getting here? I'm like, it's just the way how much globe trotting there is in this movie. I'm like, what is the timeline? of this movie of like how many days does this take place throughout? And like, how do they get from this place to this place? And those seem like nitpicky things, but like also take you out of the movie when you have that many fucking gigantic title cards and like, and then you have your characters jumping around that much. I'm like, the logic starts to break for me of going like, how, how are they doing this? And I know that your like suspension of disbelief is like, Oh, they're super spies. Don't worry about it. If they need to get somewhere, they're getting there instantly. And you don't need to know how they did it. And I'm like, all <laughs> Even right. they don't know yeah. how they did it, yeah. really. I'm but like, but I mean, right. I think what actually kind of pairs very well with that criticism is also even just 
body types. I think that when, you know, you have a movie like this and comic book films as well, and you have the hero, you know, taking off their shirt to show their rockin' bods, you question... Gosling doesn't good, though. But that's the thing. How does this guy have that kind of body given that he's always on the run he's eating whatever he kind of can when he can we see a scene where he's eating like you know a burger or something while he has his shoestring or his shoelaces tied to a, a but maybe a not cart. every mission's on like that, but though. but this mission specifically though you feel like okay there's been a lot of time that's passed like he should kind of be almost frail and wiry in general but and then not that's what i mean rips. by the time it doesn't make sense no. to me of like how much time does this movie cover like it doesn't seem like it covers that much time but then also i'm like with some of the things that happened i feel like it should right and then yeah that goes to your point but yeah and and that's a thing where it's like it kind of feels like okay well this is a a type of movie where you know the that kind of logic and the imagery that you're showing whether it be the physicality of the actors or you know how time is dispensed in something like this kind of is like okay well you have to put that aside and think, well, this is an action movie first and foremost. And if you're grading it on terms of being an action thriller spy movie, it fails because the action is, is almost completely null and void. There's no real interesting set piece, even though they destroy half of Prague in one sequence. Yeah, I think that's the one people will maybe... But it's only because it's very noisy and there are a ton of drone camera uh, sequences throughout, which Michael Bay did a lot with with uh, with uh, ambulance as well earlier this year. And and I mean, it doesn't fit. It's so awkward in the movie. Like it feels so weird. And it's just the Russo brothers literally covering up the fact that they just don't really have any kind of clever ideas or have really thought anything through. It's just basically, okay, well let's, let's just add this to kind of distract for a couple of seconds while we kind of whiz and or go they think it's things. adding style, but really it's just kind of distracting and weird. Yeah. And I feel like some of the points that you just brought up too, it's like, yeah, I think some of those things are, easier to forgive in a Marvel movie. And I don't think Marvel should get a pass on everything, but I feel like when you try to ground a movie in reality, sort of like this movie tries to do, like it's not a sci-fi, it's just a classic spy movie, right? Like, yeah, there's some suspension of disbelief, like in a James Bond movie or, or, or Mission anything Impossible. like that, where Mission Impossible, um, that's also a thing. When you see things like Mission Impossible that does this kind of movie, and even Bond does this movie so well, like, why are you even trying to do that? <laughs> like, other people are already doing it so much better and are established that it's like, if you can't, if you can't keep up with that, like, what are you doing? And I, and going back to that, like, I never once like, yeah, there are times in Bond and Mission Impossible where you're like, this is ridiculous. Or how does this person do that? Or, or, or X, Y, Z. And some of the more death defying things that, uh, you know, these ultimate spies do that doesn't bother me, but it's some of these nitpicky things where you, when it takes you out of it and maybe in a Marvel movie, I go, oh yeah, well, Thor can use the Bifrost or Iron Man's going to get there. No problem. Or who gives a shit? When, like how they did something. I'm just here for like popcorn entertainment, world building character moments, right? Like I don't care about any of that stuff, but in a movie like this, when you're trying to do something that it seems like they're trying to do something more than Marvel, right? Like they're trying to, they're like, Ooh, this is a step above that is like, um, when it comes to like adult storytelling or something like that, right? Like even though the Marvel movies will obviously be way bigger than this thing is, but, um, 
I think that's when those things stick out even more. And I think just throughout the movie, it's just filled with that. Like you said, the action is just, there's not, there's one set piece that stands out for a bad reason. And there's like, and when you see something like mission impossible, that does the uh, halo drop so well. And then you have a scene in this movie that is like, you know, it's a mix of like the uncharted sequence earlier in the year, which weirdly the uncharted movie looked better doing. It didn't look good either. Sadly, no Papa John's in um, the gray man. No, no. But like there's a sequence and it's not a spoiler, but like where an airplane gets taken down and, you know, uh, uh, Sierra six, the Grayman needs to get out of that jam. And he's like, the plane's blowing up and he's fighting people inside the plane. He gets ripped out and fighting a guy in the air. And it looks like garbage. It looks so bad. It's shocking. Like, I, and I, it's funny because we had the same thought because you brought up that exact scene. And I was sitting there and I think I even turned to you during that scene. And I was like, I like trying to get your attention. I'm just going, Jesus Christ. That looked awful. It looked awful. It looked 10 times better in a worse movie uh, with the mummy. Like that sequence yeah. where Tom Cruise it's is literally. Same. Yeah. Without but, the sound effects was better. <laughs> that weird trailer. Yeah. It, 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 so you're watching scenes like that and they're pretty mind numbing because they're, they're never giving you anything to really engage with. And it's going through the motions of what, you know, a, a spy thriller action movie should be. It's very algorithmic in sort of its casting and its set Which design and its construction. Netflix, baby over, loves their algorithm overall. And like you're you're watching this thing and you're thinking, okay, like you know, this is this is a year where you know Top Gun Maverick and RRR are being released. And you know, you already mentioned uh, the Marvel movies and James Bond and the Mission Impossible films. You know, they don't have to be as good or on par. You know, the the Gray Man specifically here, but at least be entertaining. At least have mm-hmm. something that is kind of fun or have have a personality. This movie is lacking any real even style you know you mentioned you know how good ryan gosling is kind of playing that stoic kind of role in drive i think that's the reason why that works so well is because the movie around him is so weird and then when he and ryan gosling is a great actor but i think one of his greatest strengths and when people really tap into it, it 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 shows is that ryan gosling's a weird dude um He's one of those guys where, like, even reading some of, like, his interviews on this, like, him talking about Action Jackson and Looney Tunes back in action being some of his favorite action movies. And, like, that's cooler than anything that's in this movie. And I think a part of what makes him such an interesting actor is that his characters are always a little off kilter a little bit sort of off center like you look at how well shane black kind of tapped into that in the nice guys guys, where man this is our second nice guys reference in like two reviews because we talked about it with thor love and thunder as well um but you look at that where it's like you know a kind of hard-boiled type character but is a little bit off the rails a little bit weirder a little bit more funny and with this character he's always so self-serious to the point where in that digression where you have like that two-year kind of like him becoming friends with julia butter's character who you know is a child that you know lost her parents her uncle's looking after her and she also has a pacemaker and like the whole time you're watching like this conversation between them kind of getting to know each other in a kind of like you know my bodyguard type kind of way or man on fire kind of thing Mm -hmm. 
Uncle Court. Yeah, you 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 kind of feel like okay, one he's really uncomfortable in these scenes because he's delivering dialogue that is just literally exposition exposition character backstory and the thing i was thinking about the most in that scene because he's looking for his jacket i was like one he's a guy that doesn't sit down anywhere two he would not take off his jacket for anybody or relax where it was three he would not put it on that chair or sit on that chair and if i'm thinking about those things while watching that scene this movie is having problems because well that's what i mean i think that's the that's the biggest point i think that's like the through line of our review is like there was always something that took us out of it right like we were always thinking of something else other than how cool the action was or and it wasn't so we're thinking about what we should be thinking about is like oh this plot is cool or the action sequence is cool or this or chris evans performance is zany and out there and and it's gimmicky it's that's what i mean but these are the things they want you to think of but i'm also always thinking about something else i'm never thinking about those things because i'm thinking about this little thing or that thing because it's all taking me out of the movie and i feel like chris evans will be that thing that is probably the most memorable because you have captain america playing a villain he's got a mustache like it's it's super easy to say that that he's the most memorable thing in the movie and i think he is having fun playing the villain but again even as a villain like i okay you gave him a mustache um, and then you made him just an asshole and then it's like, oh, okay. Captain America has a mustache and he's an asshole. That's, that's the, the shtick. And I just, I should don't know. have I don't died twice think. in the movie. Yeah. Logically speaking, realistically, right. there's other things where we both, I turn to you and I, that's the moment I turn to you and I'm like, why didn't they just shoot him? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and like you had him dead to rights and you just leave him alive. And then those are the things where I'm like. You, you're completely taking me out of the movie because your characters it's what I complained about in Halloween uh, kills as well. Like there's moments where you're like, I get it. Suspension of disbelief. You need a movie to happen, right? Like you can't just kill the villain halfway through because your character had him, but then don't put him in that situation. Like find yeah. a more clever way. And it's not to, like, uh, like, it's not like court didn't know who Lloyd was. Cause he did at that point, you've already established that now they know who they've seen each other in a previous yeah. scene. So it's like, and and and, and that knowing, he's a ruthless killer and that like exactly and knowing even six or court's own background it's like okay he would take this guy out you yes. know and it's and it, this isn't spoiling anything either because actually it is in the promotional material like it's it's a scene where oh, uh it, where yeah. where um uh, chris evans lloyd hansen and i can't stop laughing at that because one it's also a very british name but it also sounds like uh chris hansen from nbc uh nightline mm-hmm. to catch a predator sure. <laughs> um, yeah, sure but but With when he gets yeah when he gets too, the yeah. tranquilizer in the back of his leg and, ass, and yeah. then falls down on the ground it's like he's he's done he would have been killed. And then there's a later scene where like, like that's the later scene is probably more of your classic, like, you know, like, Oh, action machismo moment in the same way that it's like, you know, at the end of the first lethal weapon movie, you have, um, you know, Mel Gibson fighting uh, Gary Busey and then all the cops surrounding him and Danny Glover being like, don't get involved. Don't get get involved. I'll take credit. I'll take uh, accountability for this. You know, let them fight yeah. <laughs> like that yeah, kind of just, moment. Right. And, and yeah, that's but something like that one. It's so over the top and kind of silly and illogical, but you can kind of buy into it. Cause yeah. I feel like maybe the movie earns it. But there's a lot of things in here that it just doesn't. And again, the through line, it just takes you out of it. And it ends up being either boring or kind of you nitpicking at different things throughout the movie. Uh, It's just very, 
whatever. Uh, the one thing I will say, and I, I thought she was great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, as well. I do think Julia Butters is great as a child actor. Like I, there's something very, I don't know. You can tell she's acting every time. Like, and you can tell that she just practiced the shit out of it. And and that's why she's very good at delivering her dialogue. Um, but I, I do think that that kid has a future because I do think both it, if one thing in this movie, I'm like, Oh, she's really good. Like the movie's kind of s- stupid and, and you know, her character ha- having all these things happen to her a little eye rolly and things like that. But like, I think for someone as young as she is, she's, um, she's pretty good. And I feel like she'll be around for a long time. Well, she, she's in Spielberg's next movie, the Fablemans as well. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I think she, I, I mean, I think this whole cast is, is, is a good cast. Yeah. I mean, it reminds Russo- me of the three, five, five. Remember how many good people were in that movie? Yeah. And then it's a generic paint by numbers spy movie. I think this is maybe a little bit better just in the sense of like, I it agree. had more money to work with, but I then agree. there, there's no excuse for how painfully generic this is throughout and you know the other thing i am really starting to miss and it's not just this movie's fault but i think it's action films in the kind of post-born world is i miss characters who are action heroes that kind of make it by the the seat of their pants that kind of you know survive in a situation but aren't necessarily equipped with every skill that will lend them to kind of basically mm-hmm. look at their surroundings and perfectly messier. fight yeah like I, I i miss the days of you know john mcclain you know, having his feet cut open by glass and by the end of that, by the end of Die Hard, you know, basically looking like he's gone through the ringer. I, I miss films as as hokey as a movie like Trancers is with Tim Thomerson playing Jack Death, this kind of hard-boiled detective fighting these kind of weird zombie-like creatures in this one fight scene in a diner where, like, he literally makes it by the skin of his teeth. Like, I, I mean, they kind of try to do that with God, but they, but it's not enough. It's he's still so calculated and kind of knows the best way out of a situation. I, I would say the best thing about this movie and the thing that it kind of really doesn't dwell too much on, which it could have, is I do like the relationship between Fitz and Sierra six or six or court or whatever. Mm -hmm. We'll just call them six for, for this um, is that there is a moment where it's like, okay, there's, there's, there's a turn here and a betrayal, but there's a reason behind the betrayal and six is more understanding. And, and, and I think Fitz is as well, given the business that they're in. And there's even a moment where, that I actually kind of liked where, where, you know, Gosling's character literally says, you know, Fitz knows the business that we're in. He's a big boy. Yeah. He can handle himself. And then later on, instead of having a moment of like, you know, Oh, you betrayed me or like confrontation. It's like, no, I oh, get totally it. I, it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that they could have, I would like, have done the same thing essentially. Yeah. yeah. And I think that they would have had like in like, there in in maybe another movie or maybe another draft of this they would have had maybe another scene where like they they confront that more and it would just eat up more time but they don't do that and i kind of appreciated that but i wish that that like that digression wasn't there like it just kind of feels like that completely slows down the movie 
again, like the algorithm thing, you have Chris Evans, who's worked with Anna DeArmas in Knives Out, Gosling, who's worked with Anna DeArmas in Blade Runner 2049, Wagner Mora, um, who plays kind of the uh, the counterfeit passport guys, worked with her twice in right. Olivier Assayas' Wasp Network and uh, Sergio. So like you're, you're looking at all those kind of aspects as well, and you're thinking, okay, well, a lot of those movies that I mentioned are better films and so you're just thinking oh i could be watching those instead you know and and so none of this movie kind of really culminates in anything more than just a kind of cliche filled you know traditional spy film that kind of just wastes its resources to the point where when you're watching this thing you think to yourself you know what this could have been a much better movie or just again could have been something that is fun at least entertaining yeah it, it's so self serious the only thing that kind of verges on humor or camp are those title cards. Like it makes me want to go to the Russo brothers house and see if they have like a label maker and like label everything, because it seems like you, you mentioned it, you know, it's like their one sort of signature as, as filmmakers and they're journeyman directors, you know, they're guys that should come in when the house is constructed and keep, you know, the maintenance and, and bills paid. And that's why I think, and they're good at that. (laughs) They're fine at that. But I think that they think they're more than that. And and this movie and cherry kind of proves that they can't go outside of their own jurisdiction. (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm with you a thousand percent. Um, are you probably going to watch this? If you've listened to this, you probably either watched it already or you're thinking about watching it. I'd say if you are going to see it, you don't need to see it in a theater and you could just watch it on Netflix and you'll probably have the same experience. Like It's a lazy Sunday afternoon is, watch. Yeah, and and is it going to be the worst thing in the world? No. Um, is it disappointing? Yes. Um, and Is it on par with Red Notice? Yes. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Even though they're very different movies, but um, it's that kind of... I think at this point, people know what to expect from a Netflix blockbuster. And I both mean that sort of as an insult and sort of not as an insult. Because like as they go on, I'm less like surprised. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this seems like a Netflix blockbuster. It's flashy. It's got a lot of big-name stars in it. It's got some bad special effects. And it's got, you know, a very paint by numbers kind of I've seen this movie a thousand times, but that's what people kind of go to Netflix for. So it's like, okay, and will you enjoy that? I think that will vary from, oh, that was fine. You watched it on a Friday night to uh, these guys are the Marvel guys who directed Endgame. (laughs) Like uh, that wasn't good. So I don't know. I'm going to give it a two. Yeah. Sort of being generous, I think. Yeah, it's one of those movies where it's like, well, you could read a Tom Clancy novel, you could read one of the Lee Child books, or watch the Jack Reacher series on on Amazon, or just go watch Mission Impossible, or yeah, just, or I'm, one of the other movies we referenced already that is more entertaining that it, it maybe isn't even perfect. It's just it's one of those films that is so bland it's not even a palate cleanser it's just kind of it's it's the tofu of spy thrillers in a lot of ways you know there's there's not there's nothing going on 
and the filmmakers it's sustenance i guess yeah like, like like it'll feed you but it won't give you anything to remember it's it's a meal yeah. and that's it like it, there's nothing to to write home about and even for dads like even if you recommend this to your dad i feel like no go watch top gun top yeah. gun the ultimate dad movie and it's a good um, movie too like yeah. it understands how to make a fun experience and it is both self-serious and self-aware in that perfect balance tom cruise is a madman but at least it. yeah exactly he knows how to entertain you this is just basically so self-indulgent and thinks that it's it's better than what it is and what it is is just vanilla my and i'm so gonna give our- it a two Oh, right. You have to give your rating. So we're on the same page. Quickly, before we wrap up and I plug a few things, the Russo brothers, I'm curious to see where they go from this because after Cherry and this, two movies that look like they're going to be critically panned or mixed, right? Right now, this is at 40 something. The reviews just dropped. It's at 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cherry, I think, was even lower than that. Um, I think this movie will be... I'm curious if it will be seen as a success because there's no doubt people will watch this on Netflix, right? Like if Adam Sandler movies and red notice becomes the biggest movie ever on Netflix and and X, Y, Z, yada, yada, yada. Um, this movie will get millions and millions of clicks. At least I don't know how long people will watch it, but people will start this movie. Will that be seen as a success and will they stay with Netflix because of that? Or will it be seen as a failure that they've left this, the safety blanket of Kevin Feige uh, and, and Marvel studios and, and then had two critically panned movies in a row. Like, will they go back to that warm blanket and do secret wars or will they uh, continue to try (laughs) outside of of marvel or because i i just don't know after this like i can tell you where they're going next the academy awards they're going to get nominated for producing everything everywhere all at once Yo, which i should give them credit for that because like that's the kind of stuff i want them to use their clout for right like you earn some clout uh you started agbo is it aj agbo is that what their production company is um use that clout for stuff like that. Like I got to give credit where credit's due. They did produce that movie. And that is for me right now, the best movie of the year. I know you saw RRR and both those movies are kind of battling for you. I think you like RRR a bit more, Um, but both supposedly great movies uh, on, on your side. And one of them I, I loved and they produced that. So I got to give them credit. And I do think that it will be nominated for best picture. So, Hey, who, who, who am I to say that this movie, cherry in this movie will ruin them because it won't no they'll be fine but i'd just be curious to see what they do like if they go back to marvel and continue to produce other stuff uh or if they keep trying to do something uh, else i'm sure this will get a sequel though i'm more well yeah because it's a series of books as well like I'm, if extraction gets a sequel gotta get um, more tyler rake action and man. i think Extraction's more interesting and and it's and, not a good movie but at no. least it has a little bit more personality and even like cherry's a worse film than this but at least cherry is so obnoxious it has some sort of style yeah, to it vulgar auteur style sure <laughs> whatever I, the thing i'm more puzzled about is just how does netflix think that they're going to recoup 220 million dollars on a or film this, that's yeah. on that's only playing theatrically for a week then it's going to be available 
on the streaming service and you know with recent you know cutbacks and 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 Mm -hmm. um you know marketing problems that they've been having and and stock issues like it's like what what is their their game plan moving forward because they seem to still be very much interested in sort of a franchise starter you know we're getting a sequel to the old guard they seem to still be very much extraction to <laughs> wanting to work with not only the russos but with people like ryan reynolds and kevin hart and the rock and keeping all those guys in business as well and it just kind of is like okay well are you really like profiting off of these more than something like power of the dog or something smaller which probably yeah it's not going to get as much attention unless it's nominated or up for awards, but I'm sure that like, you know, it's not hurting you to spend like two or three million dollars on a small weird movie, yeah. Than spending two hundred and twenty on one film where you could make thirty. I'm, I, you know, I'm thinking of ending I'm things. You, so like, yeah, I, I it's I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, thinking about it, we know that they're so oversaturated that they started losing subscribers. So I guess their game plan is to try to win some of those people back. And but they've they've kind of gotten everyone, at least in North America. So they're trying global expansion, which is why you see them investing so much in um, foreign content, foreign to us content, but in specific countries doing country specific content where they kind of can still gain new subscribers where here it's retention too. Right. So I guess in their mind, they think we got to make sure we keep all these people. Right. So if you dangle the carrot of new Russo brothers movie, that means, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to cancel my 24, five dollar subscription per month because there's a russo brothers movie coming so maybe they think with the hundred million plus people i don't even know they have like a ridiculous amount of subscribers um i think they're so worried about um losing people now that they will invest in this gigantic stuff but the thing is the quality needs to be there and they haven't really shown so it's like the you know burn me once kind of thing is like yeah, people are clicking on these things, but do they really want a sequel? Like, do people like just because so many hundred or tens of millions of people watched your movie or started it? I'm like, does that really mean they want Old Guard 2? Does that really mean they want Extraction 2? Like, is that going to be the thing where as a subscriber, I'm going, oh, I do. I watched that Extraction movie two years ago or Old Guard four years ago. Oh, well, it's there's a new one coming and like, no, I don't think like 80% of the people who watch that movie do not give a fuck if Old Guard 2 is coming. (laughs) Like, I'm like, no, they put Old Guard on because it popped up and it had Charlie Theron in it and big names. And like, that's the same thing with this. And they, I don't think that group of people are really going, shit, I hope I get Gray Man 2 after watching this. No, at best, they're going to watch it and go, that was okay. What else you got? And then like, if I don't know Stranger Things, but now Stranger Things is we won't get a new thing of that in a couple of years, and, and even that's um, overstated. It's welcome for a lot of people now with totally, you know, how but, long each episode has been, and, totally, and also just time but, as well, right? Like I think when when something is new and it's exciting and it's fresh, like I still think it's the biggest thing on the planet, though. or or so. House of Cards when Netflix first started, or Orange is the New Black, like 
it had that moment in the sun. And again, Stranger the, Things still has that. The re- but the release strategy as well is sure. another thing when it comes to the series side of things where like they're struggling to figure out, do we stay with the binge approach or do we kind yeah. of spread things out so we can last longer the same way that our competitors are? I wouldn't be surprised. Are. We talked about that of being like, if they change their model, it'll be interesting because it could go up two ways. It could be thinking of a retention thing of being like, well, we need to spread this shit out so people don't just subscribe for stranger things watch it in a weekend cancel the next month and wait till the next thing right like that's the model people had for hbo for a while but hbo you know started really strong then it was like oh i only subscribe for game of thrones or i only subscribe for xyz like they're one big show but i feel like they're consistently putting things out fx is consistently putting things out that like make you want to stick around so like it's um Apple TV even to an extent, or they just give it to you for free. So it's just yeah. like, or even Amazon's same- trying now a little bit with like, with Lord of the Rings coming up, they're kind of like, it's a weekly thing too. Yeah. Right. Like it's, yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's to spend $200 million on one movie and then hope that that you get a return on that investment is really, especially theatrically when you only have that one week window and then also people but that's just bonus money i think in their right. minds right like that they never but that's had weird that. because because again like netflix needs the money more than amazon or apple who have other avenues you know for 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 you know recouping yeah. the costs of things where like I mean, Disney, I think, is starting to feel that a little bit with their box office with, you know, something like Lightyear. You know, there's been some controversy on the on on certain sides of that film. But I think also people know that, okay, well, it's eventually going to be available on Disney Plus for free. And if I'm a subscriber to Disney Plus, what's the point of taking my five children to go out and see this movie and pay and wait 45 days? Yeah, because they already set the precedent with with you know, the other Pixar movies that they released for free on the site. And even with, with some of the Marvel movies, like I'm sure like Dr. Strange and Thor could have probably made another like 10, $15 million. But there are people that are like, you know, I'll just wait until it's available on Disney plus I can, sure. I don't care about but spoilers. And that then that's just the model changing though. Right. Yeah. Like now I think the theatrical experience is going to be seen as bonus money and you're going to see people, you know, I think these streaming services is where, you know, a lot of the thought will go into moving forward. We see the investment into Marvel shows, right? And like, I think movies aren't necessarily like the theatrical experience isn't going to go away, but I do feel like you're starting to see it become not even an afterthought. It's just like the amuse-bouche to the streaming services, right? Like if you want it early or if you want the early access, you can go to the theater. And if you don't, uh, the streaming service. So they're making, I don't know what they're making more money on still. Like, you know, I think eventually they probably will make more money on streaming if they can keep getting the amount of subscribers and keep them hooked every, uh, and then the, the people who want that early access will pay. And then it's like bonus money to them if people go see it in theaters. Right. But like, I don't know. It's, I don't work. I don't know exactly how it all works. We talk out of our ass a lot of the times, but it is fun to talk about in the streaming stuff. Like we're in such a weird 
we again we have this i feel like we've been having this conversation for the last five years but like but it keeps changing right like even the pushback i think is kind of interesting where you you know you had last year where all of warner brothers films in the u.s went to hbo max you know day and date and they still had theatrical releases but this year you've had a movie like elvis do very well and continue to do well to the point where baz lerman has had more control and saying okay well this movie isn't going to be available to stream until the fall now because it is making so much money or tom cruise telling paramount plus that top gun maverick is going to be in theaters indefinitely until they feel that they've made enough money which they keep making money like it's a (laughs) film that has so they're it's a great counterpoint to what i just said right like i think and everything everywhere all at once right like if you do it properly and and prove to people that it's worth going to the cinema for then people will go right yeah if you build it they will come does that make sense no yes kevin costner (laughs) i get it (laughs) Uh, all right guys that's it two for me two for eric a very whatever movie you'll probably middle of the road maybe you've already watched it let us know on twitter at matt rohrbeck em6211 all social medias uh i've been changing things up with my exits okay so go follow us on Letterbox at Untitled underscore cast. That's where we put all of our reviews and ratings and lists. And I got to update some lists and things like that. Eric has a new MCU ranking. I have a new MCU ranking because uh, Ms. Marvel and Thor Love and Thunder just uh, completed. So you can check out our Thor Love and Thunder review, which also includes a spoiler cast. So you could skip our spoiler free thoughts and go right into spoilers if you want, or just listen to it as a big, uh, long podcast. That's our most recent review. Uh, We also have our newest episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast, 125th episode, where uh, we talk about hot corn, hot Croatia, and have a bunch of hot takes. Uh, We talk about my wedding, uh, my trip to Europe, uh, a bunch of other stuff. So go check that out. It was a really fun episode. Uh, And that's it. Um, As always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. I already said this, but you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I don't know where I'm going. Go, Eric. Well, I w- maybe you should mention uh, where you can find all the social medias for Untitled Movie Podcasts and Letterboxd specifically, or did you mention that? I, I did that. Okay, already. I We're zoned out. Place. <laughs> yes, so did I. Well, I'm, I'm mentioning it again. We're you still a little rusty, everyone. We've yeah. been off for like a month. Those are the two newest podcasts. This is the second review we've done uh, since we got back. So, you know, I'll get back into my but you clean know outros. Sometimes you got to put a little spice on it. Sometimes that's why we're only number eight. That's why we're a number eight because yeah. <laughs> because of we're, shit like we're this. wild and unpredictable and fancy free, unlike Mister Gray. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Eric Marching. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em six two one one. Until next time, Mister Gray. We'll see you now. Fifty Shades of Grey, I got it. Yeah. (laughs) Hot corn.